There was a time, remarked 20th century theologian Karl Rahner, when people were, quote, full of life's joy, satisfied and carefree. They celebrated Mardi Gras in the streets and laughed the laughter that still came from the heart. Therefore, they could presumably experience a brief period of recollection, of contemplative seriousness, and of ascetic restraint from life's luxuries as a beneficial change from everyday life and for the good of the soul." Close quote. In such a world, Lent and Holy Week made sense. Do they still make sense? This is the After Dinner Scholar from Wyoming Catholic College, and I'm Jim Tonkowicz, your host. Our world sometimes seems like one great long Lent of high school shootings, broken relationships, addictions, hopelessness, loneliness, war, economic problems, pandemics, church scandals, anger, and bitterness. Politics poisons just about everything, from religion to Monday night football. Young adults, despite the luxuries most of them enjoy on a daily basis, report feeling stressed out more than six hours a day. Many have long since abandoned the Christian faith in which they were raised and live a life of unthinking nihilism. What about us? Rahner went on in his sermon, My Night Knows No Darkness. What does Lent and now Holy Week and Good Friday have to do with me? While Rahner was clear that not everyone feels distance from God, he does claim that most people sense God's cold absence more than his warm presence. If individuals can experience the dark night of the soul, so can whole peoples and cultures. And we are such a people living in such a culture. My God, my God, why have you abandoned us? The cure, said Rahner, though cure is hardly the correct word since there is no simple fix, the cure begins by affirming the true God as over against the gods we think suit us better. Quote, when you experience the heart's emptiness like that, asked Rahner, what kind of God is it who is actually distant from you? It certainly is not the true and living God, for he is the incomprehensible, the nameless one, who is truly the God of your boundless heart. Instead, Rahner went on, quote, the one distant from you is a God that does not exist, a God that can be comprehended, a God of small ideas and cheap, undemanding human thoughts, a God of earthly security, a God that makes sure that the children do not cry, and that human love does not end up in disappointment. In short, a rather dignified idol." Close quote. Such idolatry is always tempting, since inventing a God who is like us is extremely convenient. We create a God who believes what we believe. He can be an advocate for whatever we'd like to advocate. If God is a reflection of our own consciousness, then who's to say that he's not concerned with our concerns, since he conveniently thinks just the way we do? If he challenges our thinking at all, it is the challenge to live up to our inner self-constructed convictions, whatever they may be. This is the God that sociologist Christian Smith had in mind when he coined the phrase moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic, don't be evil whatever that means. Therapeutic. God is there to help me to meet my felt needs, 
deism. God is vague, but able to do whatever I ask. This is, according to Smith's research, the de facto God of most of Americans' young people today, regardless of their religious claim. They conceive a God who is little more than a very big, powerful, celestial valet, faithfully catering to their whims and wishes. Worse yet, Smith discovered that young people inherited this God from their baby boomer parents and grandparents. This is the American God across religions and across denominational lines. The true God, out of his infinite love, will not let us get away with this small, cheap, imitation, substitute deity. Thus, Rahner insisted, we must come to realize that rather than deserting you, God, quote, has been expecting you for a long time in the deepest dungeon of your debris-covered heart, that he has been silently listening and waiting for a long time to see whether you, in the busy din of what is called your life, might give him a chance to speak, to speak a word that has sounded up until then only like deathly silence. Close quote. We are, Rahner went on, experiencing God in the way Jesus experienced him in the abandonment of the cross, which brings me to Holy Week and Good Friday. Oh, can't I just be in peace, someone might ask? Can't I contemplate the resurrection without all that fasting, self-examination, confession of sins, brokenness, blood, and sorrow? Give me Easter chocolate, not Lenten pottage. Many of us arrange our spiritual lives accordingly, and yet our sadness remains. In his book, Death on the Friday Afternoon, his meditation on the seven last words of Jesus, the late Father Richard John Newhouse wrote concerning Good Friday, quote, Stay a while with this day. Let your heart be broken by the unspeakable bad of this Friday we call good. Some scholars speculate, he went on, that Good Friday comes from God's Friday, as goodbye was originally God be with you. But it is just as odd that it should be called God's Friday when it is the day that we say goodbye to the glory of God. Wherever its name comes from, he said, let your present moment stay with this day. Stay a while in the eclipse of the light. Stay a while with the conquered one. There is time enough for Easter, close quote. Later in the book, Newhouse adds, the only joy to be trusted is the joy on the far side of a broken heart. The only life to be trusted is the life on the far side of death. Stay a while with Christ and him crucified. Close quote. So we've entered Holy Week, the triumphant entry, drama in Jerusalem, the Last Supper, the agony in the garden, betrayal, arrest, rejection, scourging, mocking, the painful, weary walk to Golgotha, the cross, more mocking, seven words, abandonment, pain, death, the lance thrust, blood and water, 
burial in a borrowed tomb before the strange silence of Holy Saturday. In spite of the feelings of distance or abandonment, stay a while. Pray with him in the garden. Walk with him down the Via Dolorosa. Stand at the foot of the cross. Don't run and hide from the scene as most of Jesus' disciples did. Don't turn to distractions. Stay a while with Mary and John to be with him, to listen to him if he speaks, to watch him as he dies, to mourn the passing of the Lord of life. Let me close with the words hymn writer Isaac Watts penned in 1709. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I have done he groaned upon the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in, when God the mighty Maker died, for his own creature's sin. My God, why would you shed your blood so pure and undefiled to make a sinful one like me, your chosen precious child? Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness, and melt mine eyes to tears. But drops of tears can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. As Father Newhouse advised, let your heart be broken by the unspeakable bad of this Friday we call good. There is time enough for Easter. Close quote. There is, let me add, an entire eternity. For Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkowicz.